Welcome to St. Martin the Fields and welcome to Great Sacred Music and a special welcome to those joining us online. One thing that everybody here online has in common is that every single one of us woke up this morning and said, yay, it's World Oceans Day. Uh, I, don't, I can't tell you when World Oceans Day was instituted, but I can tell you that the theme of the sea and of rivers and of water is one of the most abundant themes in the scriptures and in theology. And there's a balance between, on the one hand, the sea understood as chaos, which you get in a great number of places, including the book of Jonah and the beginning of Genesis, and the sea as an instrument of God's action and mercy. So to take possibly the two most obvious examples in the Noah story, the, the flood represents chaos, uh, and yet it becomes miraculously the instrument of God's mercy and God saving eight people and a number of animals who have the chance to get to know each other remarkably well. And then, like the, secondly, and most obviously of all, in the Exodus story, the journey from slavery to freedom, slavery in Egypt to freedom in the Promised Land, the pulling back of the Red Sea, God turns the chaos uh, into the instrument of God's salvation, of God's liberation. Now, uh, I don't know if any of you have ever thought about becoming a naval chaplain, but if you haven't, there's probably one single reason why, and it's because you couldn't face the prospect of singing Eternal Father, Strong to Save twice a day for the whole of your time in the post. But we, are, we have no mercy today because we are going to sing Eternal Father, Strong to Save, because you cannot talk about oceans without singing this hymn. Uh, it's actually a more sophisticated hymn than it's usually given credit for, because if you look at it closely, it's got four verses. You can find it on the inside of your sheets. It's got four verses, one about the Father, one about the Son. You can guess what the third one's about, the Holy Spirit, and the, third, the fourth one about the Trinity, just for, for good luck. And what it is is actually a biblical theology of the ocean, uh, all delivered in a uh, marvelous and resonant hymn. The great thing about the compositions we're going to hear today in Great Sacred Music is that the ocean is an absolute green light for the most florid pretensions in every composer's armory. There's plenty of swell of the ocean and lots of timbrels and lots of cymbals and those couldn't be with us today, but we'll find other ways of conveying the swell of the ocean. Other interesting things about this hymn is that Winston Churchill ordered it to be sung on the HMS Prince of Wales when he had his fateful mid-Atlantic meeting with Franklin D. Roosevelt during the Second World War, and it was subsequently sung at Roosevelt's funeral. He obviously had such a great time meeting Churchill. He never forgot it. Also, the funerals of John F. Kennedy, Ronald Reagan, and Gerald Ford it also, I, I guess, what you'll most associate it with is that it features significantly in the film Titanic. Who could forget that? The tune is named Melita, which is the Latin for the uh, name of the island of Malta, which, you remember, was where in Acts 28 uh, Paul was shipwrecked, and therefore it's still got that very much uh, ocean theme in the scriptures. And we get the wonderful swell and ebb at the end of the verse in this tune. It was written by J.B. Dykes, who contributed no fewer than 56 tunes to the 1875 
edition of hymns, ancient and modern. So he got quite good at it by the time he composed this one. And you may also remember it features quite significantly in Benjamin Britten's community opera, Noise Flood, uh, composed in 1957, where it's, it's as I described, uh, counterpointed by a battery of percussive storm music. It's our tradition of great sacred music to start with a hymn like this. We remain seated, the voices stand and lead us as we sing together on the inside of the sheets, Eternal Father, strong to save. Well, we're going to move on now and hear an anthem by Hubert Parry uh, using words from Alfred Lord Tennyson's 1889 poem, Crossing the Bar. And the metaphor of the, of the sea and the crossing of the bar is never stronger than in this poem. Tennyson wrote it in elegy. It has a tone of finality, and the narrator uses an extended metaphor to compare death with crossing the sandbar between the river of life with its outgoing flood and the ocean that lies beyond, representing death, the boundless deep to which we return. But in the midst of this transition, we find a pilot, a metaphor 
for God, whom the speaker hopes to meet face to face. And Tennyson actually wrote a significant um, commentary on this poem of his own, where he says, the pilot has been on board all the while, but in the dark I have not seen him. He is that divine and unseen who is always guiding us. Now, if you're a naval chaplain who's tired of singing Eternal Father Strong to Save, you're probably also a little bit tired of hearing Psalm 107, verses 23 to 31, uh, which begins, as you might be familiar with, they that go down to the sea in ships and occupy their business in great waters. But just to uh, spice things up, Herbert Sumption uh, composed a setting of the middle verses of Psalm 107. And this is, if you like, the definitive, perhaps slightly indulgent, uh, composers using the full array of his talent and the disposition of his instruments and choral, well, instrumental accompaniment and the choral uh, singing, uh, because what we have here is, is, a, is a wonderful picture um, of a rippling organ part with a solo melody like a little boat, rising and falling choral writing representing the waves. It's so vivid, you can't miss it, but it is, you just have to lose yourself 
uh, within it. Herbert Sumption was organist of Gloucester Cathedral for 40 years, but from the 20s to the 60s, and at the same time, director of music at Cheltenham Ladies College for the same 40 years, from 1928 to 68. It's just a, a magnificent immersion in the ocean as the action of God's glory. We're also going to hear uh, a setting by uh, Vaughan Williams of the Norfolk folk song, Just As the Tide Was Flowing. This comes in a number of different versions, some in which the sailor goes off with uh, the young maiden's gold, some in which they end up married, the more respectable version. This one is quite chaste. They just sit down beneath a tree, but it's a seaside fable.
Well, it's uh, time for us to sing again, and on the inside of your sheets you'll find the words to the hymn, There's a Wideness in God's Mercy. Uh, Frederick William Faber was part of the Oxford movement that started in 1833 in Guess Where, Oxford, you got it, uh, uh, part of the revival of Catholic spirituality and liturgy and devotion within the Church of England, very widely influential, even in a church like this. The whole parish communion movement uh, came originally from that tradition. He became a Roman Catholic in 1846, which was seen as a great betrayal in those days, but he didn't lose his Calvinist sense of sovereignty. And so what we get in this hymn is a mixture of a, the best kind of Catholicism, as I might presumptuously say, that embraces everybody, but get the strong sense of God's sovereignty that will prevail. In other words, no one can escape the, the glorious embrace of God's love, if only the whole church embraced such a theology. Uh, this hymn is notable for two features. One, it's widely known as the favorite hymn of the director of music at St. Martin the Fields, who is conducting for us today. That's its major distinction. But its minor distinction is that when I took my general theology exam in 1991, there was just one question to answer in three hours. And one of the questions was a quote from this hymn, but we make his love too narrow by full strictures of our own. Discuss. I chose not to do that question. Um, but I've never forgotten it because it was a beautiful summation of the Scots Calvinism, which was the tradition in which I did my theological training and how it needed to be re-narrated for the 21st century, well, 20th in those days century. Anyway, all those, that's all a bit of backstory. Let's enjoy singing uh, this film, this, this, this uh, hymn with its wonderful uh, expressive theology. There's a wideness in God's mercy. We remain seated as the voices stand and lead us.
rather wonderful. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed yourself. We're coming to the end of Great Sacred Music. If you have enjoyed yourself, there's an opportunity to make a cash donation. Do you remember those? Uh, as you leave, uh, there's also a QR code on the back of the sheets if you want to do what you do with those. And you can text and you can swipe a card if you're in the building. Uh, all sorts of ways to keep this great tradition of great sacred music going. If you also enjoy or would like to enjoy our sister program, Choral Classics, which happens every Sunday afternoon at 3.15, then you can come along this Sunday when we'll be marking Corpus Christi, the Feast of Corpus Christi, with a program of Eucharistic-focused music. Uh, and next Thursday, uh, having swum in the ocean together this week, next week we'll be walking together, uh, exploring themes of journeys and pilgrimages where we're going, we're going to fit, finish with a rather comprehensive view of the role of water in the Christian faith. You can think about three aspects of the Christian faith. First of all, it's the past, the forgiveness of sins, the washing uh, of baptism. Uh, in the future, it's the move uh, from death to life. And in the present, it's the move from slavery to freedom. And that's pretty much the whole of Christianity in one sentence, and it's all expressed in this magnificent uh, assembly of spirituals, uh, Take Me to the Water. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>